Today on Strategy Simplified, we get to hear from another one of our coaches in the coach interview series. These are conversations to hear from someone who's been in your shoes, making decisions and working through the recruiting and case prep process. Today, we'll get to talk to Kit O'Connor, learning about his background, journey to McKinsey, what he's up to now, and his case coaching philosophy. And make sure to stay tuned for After Office Hours, where Coach Ryan Smith will talk about how to get good at creating frameworks. I hope you enjoy the discussion. Kit, welcome to the Strategy Simplified podcast. Really glad to have you on today. Thanks so much for having me, Stephanie. I'm uh, I'm excited to kind of share a little bit of my consulting and case coaching, case coaching experience with the uh, broader management consulted community. Absolutely. Yeah, let's start there. I uh, would love if you could just give us a brief introduction uh, to let's let's start with your background before McKinsey. Yeah, so I broke into McKinsey via the MBA route. I think it's, you know, it's one of the most common areas that people come in out of undergrad, out of MBA. And I actually had the uh, full-time MBA experience coming out of Columbia. Prior to that, I was at a financial services company called Jane Street, where I, it was a great place to work. I was very excited, but there was kind of this nagging feeling for me that there there was a little bit more out there. And I kind of looked at consulting as a way to accelerate my my career. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Columbia MBA, you certainly won't the, weren't the only person looking at going into, you know, the top tier consulting. Indeed. Um, so what, what was that process like for you? How do you feel like you broke into the firm? Well, I, I think that as many people find out during their first couple months of, of an MBA program, it's drinking from a fire hose and in a mm. kind of great way. Uh, I, I think that I was a little bit surprised when you arrive on campus uh, in August and then you're immediately recruiting in September and you kind of wonder, hey, I haven't learned anything yet. <laughs> what am I going to be good at? <laughs> and I, I think it's, you know, it's kind of a microcosm of what going into consulting is like because you're you're often thrown into situations where you're not really using some skills that you've learned out of a book or in a classroom, but it's more about more innate uh, skills about being adaptable to situations and, and learning on the fly. So that that's what it felt like it, is that you get to school, suddenly you're recruiting and a lot of it is based on, hey, can you kind of keep up on the fly more so than, okay, I'm going to ask you a question and I allow you 10 minutes to go look it up and then come back and uh, have an answer for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that resonates deeply <laughs> with me. <laughs> um, so where, uh, what, what offices did you, rec- did you recruit into? What were you based out of? So I was based out of New Jersey. I think okay. for me, I wanted to, I, I'd been in New York for, oh God, almost a decade at that point. And mm-hmm. I wanted to stay in the New York area and so I recruited for the New York and New Jersey offices. Um, mm-hmm. For McKinsey, those are relatively similar and there's a, a little bit of mixing. I know for other firms, uh, BCG in particular, that there's more of a differentiator differentiation between the New Jersey office and the New York office mm-hmm. where there's a, uh, you know, a bit, bit more of a um, distinct community in New Jersey. So I, I, people often ask me, hey, what are the differences between the firms? 
And th this is one of them. Um, think about uh, the specific office culture that you're applying to and whether it's part of a bigger complex, i.e. at McKinsey, then New Jersey, New York, a little bit of Boston or um, more siloed environments. Mm -hmm. in, in a two-year MBA program, were you lucky enough to get the summer internship and then secure the job that way? Or was it a two-year recruiting process? I got a summer internship. It, it wasn't the one that I ended up at. Um, I, I had I had two offers for my my summer internship, uh, Deloitte and KPMG, uh, mm -hmm. which was actually a fairly tough decision which one to choose. I ended up going with Deloitte as part of their New York office. They don't really have a New Jersey office, mm -hmm. and then re-recruited when I came back on campus in the fall for NBB, and obviously ended up at McKinsey. Hmm. So. Could you tell us just a little bit about why you decided to not stay with Deloitte? It was a very tough decision. Mm. Deloitte is a fantastic firm with mm -hmm. wonderful people. For me, it was a little bit of a of a what if. I mm -hmm. think that when I look back at my even at my application essay for Columbia, I talked about going to McKinsey because McKinsey was the consulting firm. And that's not mm -hmm. to say that there's not a number of other fantastic other firms out there, but I I really didn't ever want to look back and say, hey, did I leave anything on the table? Mm. And so for me, that was, hey, let's give this one more shot and, and see and see how it works. And you know, it ended up working out okay for me. Mm-hmm. It, it sounds like it did. You rolled the dice. You went back. You re-recruited. Obviously, you made all those relationships in the first year of school, right? Went through that process. I went through a very similar process myself <laughs> uh, and recruited full-time into the associate position. You decided then to not just do the associate tenure. You stayed on to, to become an engagement manager. Um, what was that process like for you, uh, did you, you know, when you got in, did you anticipate that you wanted to stay for a long time or were you just feeling it out as you went along? That's a great question. People often talk about signing up for consulting in two year chunks at a time, because mm -hmm. at least in MBB, that's kind of the typical path to promotion. I, I think that's changing a little bit now, especially as uh, remote work becomes more prevalent. But at least when I joined, it was pretty much two years at a time, two years associate, two years EM, two years AP, and then, you know, make it, make it a partner, hopefully around six to eight years in. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I would say that I came in sort of thinking it would be about a 50-50 shot whether I wanted to go for partner. Mm -hmm. um, and when I talked to my counselor at McKinsey, she, she actually said, wow, that's, that's a really high percentage. She said, I think most people are at about 20, 30% who want, want to become partners. So I, I was a little bit shocked at that. Uh, but, and I would also say it, it ebbed and flowed over my time at McKinsey. I, I distinctly remember about uh, three, four months in, I was talking to my parents and saying, I, I can't do this. Everyone else is so much smarter. Everyone else is so much faster. Everyone else is so much more insightful. And I think that everybody who joins a consulting firm kind of has that little dip in the in the beginning of their career uh, because consulting is so fast paced and really just not cutthroat, but um, there, there's not really a lot of slack that's tolerated. So I, I think uh, I started off really, really strong, excited about maybe becoming a partner someday, 
had this little dip where I said, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I made a huge mistake. Um, but then suddenly, six months later, I was teaching a new associate how to make some slides, how to put together a storyline, how to write emails in the quote unquote McKinsey way. Mm. And I realized, oh, my God, I can do this. And, and so I, I think if I said, OK, that's kind of approaching my, my first two years. Do I want to do this for another two years? Yeah, I think so. I, I want to just say, hey, I prove myself at the associate level. Can I can I go prove myself at the EM level a little bit more of a leadership position? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I I think I was able to do that. It it wasn't quite as intense of a <laughs> roller coaster as being an associate. I think you, you kind of have the battle scars where you know, okay, this is going to be intense. There's going to be new demands put on you. There's going to oh, just be all of the internal things that you hadn't quite expected. But um, like I said, I was a little bit more prepared for that. And so I felt, I felt better about it. Um, and then, uh, frankly, at the end of that, COVID hit. Mm. And I, I think I mentioned before, consulting is a bit of a, of a team sport on steroids. And I really did not like the job in a pure work from home environment. Mm. I miss the camaraderie. I miss being in the team room. I missed, uh, you know, being face to face with clients and and having impact. So for for me, it was it was a little bit of external factors that ultimately said "Mm, not not quite the right time for me at, at this firm anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, it makes perfect sense. Um, so after leaving McKinsey, what has that pathway looked like for you? And how does your McKinsey sk- skill set help you in what you're doing now? Another good question. I think that the consulting shine is very apparent in any sort of role post-consulting. Mm. Um, certainly, I always position myself or if I don't, somebody else does as, as an ex consultant. And that means something. I I think that there is a little bit of a club in that people who have kind of been through the ringer are able Mm. to speak in certain ways, reminisce in certain ways and uh, just kind of move things forward. And um, I've had a couple stops on my career since McKinsey. So first one was kind of, kind of a quick drop into uh, the consumer the consumer industry where I was focused mm-hmm. at McKinsey. So I worked at AB InBev for a year helping to kind of build out what um, they call a revenue growth management program. Mm-hmm. Um, and then actually was recruited to a uh, tech company um, to do the essentially the same thing, writ very small. So mm-hmm. at AB, it's a huge company with a lot of moving pieces um, at O9 Solutions, where I am now, it is a much smaller team, very focused on building the best possible plat- platform that we can then scale uh, more across companies, across industries, across the world. Mm-hmm. That consulting shine, it's got to be more than just a brand stamp, right? <laughs> like what are, you know, for those who are thinking about uh, the kind of skills that they're going to gain from uh, going through the ringer, as you said, what are some of the things that come to mind? I mean, in a word, it's PowerPoint. But how, how does that how does that how does that translate to to actual skills? And I, and I think it's it, it's a few things. It's mm-hmm. let's call it let's call it three things because as a consultant, you always make lists and you know list 
often have three things. So I think I think the first one is the ability to speak at the right level. Um, you, you see a lot of people who have grown up in industry and they're excellent at their functional area, but kind of start struggling a little bit as they have to go a level level or two higher and you can't be in the details anymore. So mm-hmm. cons- that's, that first one is consulting really teaches you to speak at the right level for your audience and to kind of tailor your message for, frankly, the level of seniority, because in consulting, you're dealing with people from, um, you know, kind of the first year analyst all the way up to C-suite. Mm-hmm. So that's the first one. I, I think the second one is the ability to craft a compelling story. Um, I When I work with people on uh, MC case practice, a lot of times I, I say, you know, it's great that you can have the answer to a problem, but that's only that's only half the battle. The other half is convincing people that you have the answer. Mm-hmm. So it's not enough just to, you know, answer the case. You have to answer it in a compelling way. You have to weave through a story. And then I think the uh, the third thing that you really learn is just going back to that, having to present to the C-suite is this executive presence. I, I remember in my um, MBA program, I had a class where I had to go up in front of the board and just give a presentation on anything whatsoever. And it freaked me out. My heart was pounding. I, because I knew that I wasn't being judged on the content of the presentation. I was being judged on how I present it. Um, and so I went up there and just, I stumbled through my words. I went too fast. I was fidgety and all that I sat down and said, Oh my God, what happened? And you know, it was, it was this audience that was there and evaluating me. Um, you do that. So you do, you do that. You have to present to senior people and a variety of people so often in consulting that it becomes second nature. I remember, um, Mm -hmm. one project where I was, I had a relatively new consultant on my team and I, I was the EM and it was frankly going a little bit sideways, but I, I had a meeting where I, had to present a, a deck that I had seen maybe once before in my life. Mm-hmm. And afterward, the consultant looked at me and said, how do you do that? How do you, how do you make it seem like you've lived in this for so long when you, when I know you just, you just saw this an hour before the meeting. And, and, and so I, I think that that skill of being able to take material and present it, even if you frankly haven't seen it much before, um, it is kind of the last piece of the puzzle. So there, there's the speaking at the right level, there's crafting the storyline and then presenting that storyline. Look at that. Kit had a list of three. He gave a thesis statement about what those were up front, talked through them, and then recapped there at the end. I'm sure that that's one of the things that you help coach your clients through, you know, as you uh, as, as you prepare them for, for case interviews. Um Love, love that. Uh, what you know? Let's let's shift there. You know, you are one of our coaches here with us at Management Consulted. You help help train and and um, kind of prepare uh, folks that are interested in in interviewing for a variety of firms, not just McKinsey. Right. Um, what's the way that you think about that? How do you run you you know what process do you run your clients through to prepare? We'll be right back after this quick message. Would you like to receive direct mentorship and prep support from a former MBB consultant like the one you're hearing from today? With Black Belt, our flagship consulting prep program, you can. In Black Belt, you receive eight or more one-on-one sessions with the coach or coaches of your choosing. 
They'll work with you in a structured way to help you prepare for interviews and land that coveted consulting offer. In addition to the coaching sessions, you'll receive lifetime access to the entirety of our digital consulting prep materials. That's including but not limited to nine courses, hundreds of practice drills, 500 plus practice cases with solutions, and so much more. Plus, our Black Belt support team will be on standby to answer your questions and provide guidance wherever you need it. If you're tired of wasting time in your prep process, click the link in the show notes to learn more and register today. Uh, another another good question. And I, I think that um, one of the one of the great things about Management Consulted is that we we kind of have a program that helps us structure conversations with clients, but every coach is, is an individual. And, you know, if you, if you talk to me, if you talk to Lisa, if you talk to Nari, you're, you're going to get um, a different point of view and kind of a different style of coaching, which I, I think is fantastic. So if, if I think about one of those first sessions with a new client, um, I'd spend a little bit of time getting to know them, understanding where they are in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, and let, let's, let's call this one case interview practice, how well they understand the case and what it's measuring and, and just make sure I eliminate any misconceptions right up right off the bat. Um, I, I think the other thing I, I do is I make sure I, I ask people, what does success look like for you tonight? I'm typically coaching at night. So what, what does success look like for you tonight? And, and so I think um, it's important that it's as a candidate, you start bringing in that attitude of not just, hey, I'm going to sit back and learn. Um, I need to take control of this process early mm-hmm. and start putting in my all and driving it as much as I can. I, I think that um, being able to drive the interview forward, whether it's interview E-led or interview ER-led is mm-hmm. critical from uh, from a candidate point of view. Mm-hmm. So um, g- going back to kind of that um, uh, session is, you know, at the beginning, kind of see where people are, understand what they want to get out of it. And then I have a uh, kind of my own personal case library of six or seven cases that um, all have... I'm going to say a unique twist, but there are specific lessons that I try to bring out in, in each one of them. Um, I, I find people who go through three, four or five of them really enjoy it. And, you know, it's, it's never it's never the same experience of <laughs> kind of the the case in the can of, hey, we're working with a grocery store and they want to improve profits. How do they do that? Um, there, there's there's some uniqueness there. And uh, I, I, I like to keep people on their toes. Um, I'm also people, I'm also pretty blunt with feedback. So, uh, I I think people who have, I'm going to say slightly tougher skin tend to tend to do a little bit better with me because they are willing to hear kind of all the things where you can improve will kind of not quite glossing over, but saying, Hey, you know, you did this well, but let's not focus on that. Let's focus on the things that you need to improve to get Mm -hmm. to the next level. Uh, for case coaching, or mm-hmm. rather for the for the case interview. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, as you as you think about what it takes to succeed through this process, what are some of the top qualities that you think that all good, all good, all top candidates possess? So there's there's no there's no one size fits all. Mm-hmm. I, I think part of what makes consulting firms unique and effective is that they have people coming from a variety of backgrounds with a variety of skills. You know, I, if I were to come in here and say that 
all of the best consultants know how to use VBA and Excel, then you end up with a very data focused team that, you know, as I said earlier, you can't, you can't convince someone of the answer if all you have is math. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would say that if I think about what I saw through the process, both as an interviewer and, you know, when I went through the process, mm-hmm. um, let's call it broadly two things. I think first is just this general sense of self and other awareness. Mm-hmm. I, I think that successful people are not just in their own head. They're, they're reading the room a little bit. They're keeping one foot outside of the case and thinking about it holistically rather than being hyper-focused on, you know, whatever the most recent question, what price do I need to sell this gallon of milk at is, um, and trying to tie everything uh, together. So that's what I mean by this self and other awareness that, Hey, understand where I am, what I'm doing and how it fits into the whole. Uh, and I think the other one, this one is rather specific is this sense of creativity. You know, when you're an interviewer on the consulting side, you're giving the same case probably six, eight times a day. And I know for me, I I tried to use the same case the entire recruiting season because I I got really good at knowing what a great performance looks like, what an okay performance looks like, what a blow the bar performance looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, So going back to that creativity, Anytime I was able to go off on a little tangent that I hadn't explored before because somebody said something creative or, or new, that was super exciting for me. You know, I, I, it gave me a little bit of a chance to say like, oh, John, he was the one who brought up the new labeling on those gallons of milk um, that we'd never really explored before. Even if it's not part of the case, I still think, hey, wow, uh, this person has a, has a really interesting idea. That's the sort of attitude I want in the team room when I'm working on a project. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, but a couple of other, other questions here as we, as we start to wrap up our time, uh, just to get to know you a little bit more personally. Uh, <laughs> so do you have any hidden talents, Kit? You know, I, this is one of the questions that you did provide me ahead of time. <laughs> And I was talking to my wife last night and we, we both kind of came up with with the, with the same hidden talent. And these are two words that really shouldn't go together, but amateur electrician. Amateur um, electrician. And you yes. haven't caught, caught the house on fire. so Haven't caught the house thing. on fire. I've only electrocuted myself once. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I, we, we were, my wife and I were part of the great COVID migration out of New York City mm. and we moved to the suburbs. And, and so... I, I kind of quickly realized how much it costs to have handymen come in and, and fix things. So I, I started trying to do things myself. Mm-hmm. And I, I definitely do way too much random electrician electric work on the house now. Um, but I think I'm, I'm okay at it. Uh, I, I'll, I'll do a favor to you and to the audience and tie it back to consulting. I, I think if sometimes you look at something and, and think it's magic, there's no way you could understand what's going on. If you, if you look under the hood and are willing to dig and be curious, there's actually, you know, I, I think the bones holding things together are not quite as complex as a lot of people think. Mm. And, and so if you're willing to kind of dig into something and be open to learning and kind of 
uh, I, I, I hate using the word experiment with electricity, but experiment, um, <laughs> then, I, then I think you can kind of learn something neat and a new skill and um, be surprisingly self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. I really like that analogy. That that worked. I like it. <laughs> um, and then, you know, if, if you think back over the path that you've been on up until this point in your life, is there a moment in time or a decision that you made that that really changed the the course of your career that really set that path in motion? Yeah, it's it, it's it's tough to say because I I kind of subscribe to this philosophy that um what what's the best year of your your of your life is next year. And, and so I mm-hmm. I kind of it, it's hard for me to look back and say oh this was the one. But I I would say I do refer back to uh one moment a, a lot in in my in my both, well, I guess, consulting and MBA career. And, and we kind of talked about it. it was when I came back onto campus and deciding and decided to mm-hmm. re-recruit for MBB. Um, mm-hmm. I distinctly remember I went back uh, to our career counseling office and I asked um, somebody who was, you know, a career counselor, but also a friend. I said, hey, I, I have this return offer from Deloitte. It's obviously a great firm. Like, do I want to put myself through the stress of recruiting again and, and asked, her name's Trisha, I asked Trisha, you know, what do you think? Should I, should I re-recruit for MBB? And, you know, this is, this is going to sound like she's not doing her job, but she actually was. And she looked at me and said, I don't know, should you? <laughs> and, you know, I, 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 I touched on this earlier, but taking Taking your own life into your hands is a, is a big part of what what consulting is about generally, and, and this was a moment where you know I could tell she was challenging me. Like the world isn't going to provide the answers for you. This is something that you have to decide. Like, is this for you? Are you willing to put your neck out there? Are you are you willing to fail? And frankly, I did fail with with the bees in um, my re recruiting adventure. Mm. Um, but 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 I, but I think there's there's a lot being said there in terms of the, Hey, like this is the type of personality that it takes to succeed in this world. You need to be willing to advocate for yourself and make your decisions and move forward. So mm-hmm. I, I, I look at that as kind of the, the biggest turning point where it's like, Hey kid, this is for you. And you know, other people will help you along the way, but you have to solve it for yourself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Kit, I've loved to get to know a little bit more about you and your pathway, uh, the you know, the spirit that you bring to your coaching here at MC. Um, so tell tell everybody a little bit more if they would want to work with you. Uh, you know, when are you normally open? How can they do that? Uh, yeah, so I think that I, I mentioned before that uh, I do I do a lot of coaching at night. I do have mm-hmm. I do have my day job. Mm-hmm. Um I would say look on the calendar. Uh, I, I put a few hours of availability on the management consultant website. Um, and I typically meet people through there. And when I say meet people, I meet clients through there for the first time. And then we we, we set up ad hoc schedules uh, going forward to have uh, something more complete. So um, I, I think that looking at the calendar on MC is the best way. If there's really not availability, feel free to email me at kit at managementconsulted.com. Um, I'm pretty good at replying to both current and prospective clients there. Uh, but yeah, th- through the website, through the through the scheduler, it's super easy to use. 
Um, I, I think that the staff of MC, including you, Stephanie, is pretty good about having introductory conversations with folks on which coach should I use? Uh, when are they available? If I can't get an appointment with them, what can I do? Um, so, so there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of great, I don't, I don't quite want to say handholding, but a lot of great resources beyond mm-hmm. just the, okay, go click, click, click. And suddenly you're paying for a session. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Kit, thank you again for being with us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Stephanie. Welcome to After Office Hours, our show segment where we answer your listener questions. We have a question here from one of our listeners and Black Belt clients, Kelly McGrath. He's an undergrad student at USC and has been working with one of our coaches, Ryan Smith. We've got Ryan here to speak to Kelly's question. Ryan, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So Kelly asked the question, what's the best way to get good at frameworks? Ryan, how do you approach this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this is something that I definitely struggled with as I was I was learning the case. Um, And, you know, this may sound intuitive. I'm sure it does. But, you know, in general, it's just practice. Right. But the thing is, frameworks are one of those things that you don't need someone to deliver a case to you for you to practice it. Um, I think the, the best practice that I did when I was preparing for interviews was I sat down you know, with a, with a case book, I would just read the prompt and I would spend, you know, five to 10 minutes on a framework. And, you know, generally, of course, you spend about two in the interview setting. But the reason why I spent extra time was because I wanted to get in the habit of developing a really good Nisi exhaustive framework. Mm-hmm. And, you know, generally it would take me five to 10 minutes to do that. As time went on, you know, as I got really comfortable with the frameworks, then I would start, you know, putting in the the variable of time and seeing how much I could get done in two minutes. And, you know, within a week or so, you know, I did a lot of these. It was, I did probably, you know, 40 of them or so. Um, I was feeling very, very comfortable with frameworks. It ended up being a real uh, strong piece of my, of my casing. Um, so I would say, you know, if you're struggling with that, feel uncomfortable with it, uh, you know, just spend a couple of days doing that. And I guarantee, you know, you, you'll feel better better with it and we'll get better. Ryan, really appreciate your thoughts and insights there. Maybe I'll ask you a follow-up question, which is in the context of practicing through structures and frameworks, Mm -hmm. um, when, when does it become valuable to, to work live with a partner or with a coach like yourself? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all throughout this, you know, I think it's very valuable to work with a coach. You know, there are clients of mine, who book time with me and we go through framework drills. You know, a a big piece of it is you have to know what a good framework is. In order to know what a good framework is, you have to have someone else, you know, look at it and give you feedback. Mm -hmm. Um, Doing the framework drills with a coach is the quickest way to, you know, become very good, you know, at the beginning piece of the case. Um, You know, a couple sessions and you'll be great at it. You'll feel comfortable with it and you'll be, you'll be coming up with consistent high quality frameworks. Ryan, thanks again for joining us today. Thanks for your insights here. And uh, I'm sure some folks are, are interested in working with you personally. So um, would love if you could just say a few words about your own coaching style. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. I mean, you know, it really depends on, you know, what stage the, the person is in. I'm, 
totally accepting and can handle all stages of casing, whether you're proficient, whether you're just beginning. Um, you know, I have, you know, just beginning, you, I talk you through the whole case and then we dig into exactly, you know, where you can improve best. Uh, you know, everyone has their strong suits and we identify, you know, what those are and also the weak parts and, and fix all of those. You know, if you're very proficient at casing and interviewing, you know, next week, I, I can also just give you some last minute tips that are highly implementable that can really, really take your, you know, casing to the next level. Uh, where you don't have to have, you know, weeks ahead of time where you where you practice it. So, um, you know, highly bespoke, you know, very tailored to everyone, uh, you know, no matter what stage you're in. Great. Thanks so much, Ryan. Thank you. Want to work directly with Kit? Make sure to check out his current coaching calendar in the link below. And all of our coaches are ex-McKinsey, Bain, or BCG consultants and interviewers who've been extensively vetted and only coach with us here at MC. They love working with prospective candidates to mock through full interviews and drill in the areas you need extra help. You can find a link in the show notes and read more about our offerings at managementconsulted.com. Also, if you have a question about breaking into consulting or the recruitment process, we'd love to answer it on the podcast email your question to podcast at managementconsulted.com. Or better yet, please send us a voice note. Open the voice recorder app on your phone and record yourself. Either way, make sure to include your name, location, and question and send it to us. Podcast at managementconsulted.com. We'll see you next time.